Okay, we are on once again. We have our Advent candle wreath lit. It's that time of season as we're talking about Advent, meaning that the anticipated coming as we celebrate both when Jesus came as a baby, as a savior to the world, almost in the, the symbolic sense as a lamb coming to the world to be our final sacrifice for sin. And then we celebrate his return where he comes back as a lion, as a king, when he comes to take us home. And uh, it's an exciting time to have this whole month just to focus on the true meaning of Christmas. That it's, again, as we've shared, you know, disappointing to some, but not about presents and toys and new cars. There was a little commercial on TV the other day that Chris reminded me that a new car with a big bow on it would be nice. And I said, I'll spend 10 bucks and buy you a big bow. We'll put it on your car. So... But um, it's about the relationship we have in Jesus. It's about the relationship we have in Christ that we have what the world that doesn't have salvation doesn't have. We talked about, or we listened about last week, we would have talked about hope. That's the first candle of, of Advent is hope. That there's a hope that shines in the darkness, not only 2,000 years ago with Jesus, but there's a hope that shines in the darkness of our lives that we have a future and a hope, as the Bible says, that we have God with us, Emmanuel, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, that wherever we go, no matter what the circumstance, we have hope. And this week, in the second week of Advent, we talk about peace. Peace that passes understanding, peace that invades in our life, and peace that goes beyond what anybody can understand and we realize that that hope and that peace is only found in a lasting way in Jesus Christ because he's the only hope and peace that doesn't give up on us he's the only hope and peace that doesn't fade away or doesn't fail it doesn't get old and he does not become antiquated and antiquated Jesus is the hope and peace that invades our life, not only during this season, but all year long, and gives us the ability to go on because we are looking for something beyond this life, aren't we? We are looking beyond the, the mere 80, 90 years of this life and all that happens to our real home in eternity, and that is where our mind is set. Let's pray. Jesus, we confess that sometimes we feel overwhelmed by the circumstances of life, with family, friends, with all that goes on around us, with finances, and we confess that we cannot make it on our own, Lord. Please remind us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Remind us that we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Remind us that we can come to you if we are weary and heavy laden and burdened. We ask that in the midst of life's difficulties that we might find this peace that you promised, that it's not some elusive thing out there, but it's something you have already blessed us with. The peace that is only found in salvation in you, a peace that surpasses all of our understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, yes, it is that Christmas time, and a couple quick questions. Have you ever decorated a Christmas tree with your family? Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> It should be one of the most wonderful events of the year as we celebrate and decorate for Christmas and Christ's coming. But I don't know if it's your home is like my home and often ends in frustration, disagreement, anger, and regret. 
Isn't that kind of ironic? One of the most special times ends up being one of the most difficult and frustrating times sometimes. For Christy and I, one of our first Christmas tree decorating events ended up with, we pull the ornaments out of the attic, we lay them on the floor, I let her pick what color and kind of tree we're going to have, we set the tree up, we get it all decorated and everything, we're starting to decorate it, and she's sitting there and everything's now there, we're putting it all together, and as this is going on to celebrate the Christmas season, I go and I turn on the old, good old-fashioned Star Trek on the TV. Well, I don't know if you know this, but you're not supposed to watch Star Trek when you decorate a tree. Someone blatantly told me, you're supposed to play Christmas music. I didn't know that. I thought it was a great thing. Tree, Star Trek, Captain Kirk, and all of it. I thought it was wonderful. Somebody else in the room thought it was not so wonderful and made it very clear that's where she stood. A couple years later, when our kids were grown and older and one of them moved out, we thought it would be such a wonderful thing to give them a little mini Christmas tree that they wouldn't have to waste their money on that and they could celebrate Christmas. And two years later, we found out that they never opened the box and threw it away about two weeks after we gave it to them. Yes, another year I was out looking around in the after Christmas specials and sales, which I like to do, and I thought I was doing so good because I found 75% off Christmas trees. So I bought three. <laughs> then I was told there's no room in the attic for three Christmas trees, and that was a bonehead move. <laughs> By some miracle, we still have all three trees, and I'm still alive here today to talk about it. <laughs> Christy's going, I don't know where this sermon is going, but it's, you better change the subject quick, because this is not going well. Um, but that's just to say, you know, what should be this wonderful, peaceful time, sometimes is a time of clashing, of conflict, of different ideas on how we should celebrate it and what we should do, and what should be a tremendous time of just peace and love and enjoyment and Christmas songs, no Star Trek sometimes ends in a bad, bad way. Now don't get me started as we go beyond the Christmas tree and we talk about putting up Christmas lights and presents and dealing with family. That's a whole nother issue if you've ever experienced that, right? Anybody with me with where I'm at? This thing that's supposed to be so fun and we're like, oh, Aunt Nadine is bringing her walnut pudding again. This is gonna be horrible, you know, and the lima bean salad and all this. And what should be fun and peaceful is not always fun and peaceful. Well, I think after finally 30 some plus years of marriage, at least for this year so far, I think I've figured it out. Maybe for one year, but we figured it out. I don't know, you can ask Christy later on if we have or not, but I didn't play Star Trek. I haven't bought any more trees. Happy and life, happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life, that's right. <laughs> so whatever she wants, you know, it's like the old Princess Bride movie, movie, as you wish, you know. So life is good right now. But isn't it hard, even aside from all this Christmas stuff and family and all these events, to imagine a world of peace? I mean, anybody watch the news? Anybody be in a family conversation and religion or politics comes up? <laughs> Anybody have to deal with family that doesn't agree with you? Isn't it hard to imagine real peace? I mean, we talk about it with the Bible and we celebrate it with the Advent candle. But how often do we experience the peace that God promises? And that's what we're talking about today because 
there is that peace there for us. And here's the crazy thing. It's not something we have to go out and get. It's not something that is soon coming for us once we get past this whole issue right now. It's already here. And it's already available to us. The problem is sometimes we don't look for it and grab hold of it. And that's the issue. Turn with me, if you want to, to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be in Isaiah 9 and John chapter 16 as we talk about peace. The peace that God gives us. The peace that goes beyond all those family issues and differences of opinions and life circumstances. The peace that God says you can have every single day in a crazy, chaotic, mixed up, messed up world. Isaiah 9, 6-7 gives us this promise that we celebrate about Christmas about the Christ child coming to save us and then someday to return for us to bring us home. And we read this in Isaiah 9, verses 6. For a child will be born to us, and a son will be given to us. And the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and what? Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Isaiah talks about Jesus coming and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, Eternal Father. But where we're focusing today is the Prince of what? The Prince of Peace. And it also says there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. Did you catch that? Is that good news for the day? There is no end to the peace that is found in salvation in Jesus Christ. But if that's the case, why are we always down and out and gloomy and arguing and fighting and unhappy? Why are we always looking for something or someone to, to fill us, to give us that peace? when all we have to do is look to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the peace that there is only increase of and there is no end. That's the peace that we're talking about today, that in our crazy world of conflict and family issues and financial struggles and politics and different opinions and, and stained clothes that doesn't the stain doesn't come out you know and running out of toilet paper or whatever it may be that in all this the gift of the peace of Jesus Christ is already with us and we need to be reminded to grab hold of that peace and hold on to it for dear life right to have that peace that only increases and never goes away that is real and authentic and doesn't need to be replaced or filled with something else, but it's already with us. So three points this morning. Point number one, here's the exciting news if you're taking notes. You will have trouble. Aren't you glad you came to church to hear that? You will have trouble in your life. It's guaranteed. 
Christian, non-Christian, it rains on both the godly and the ungodly. The sun shines on the godly and the ungodly. You and I will have trouble. Wow, that's a great message for Christmas season, isn't it? Woo! Want to remember that one. But we know it's a reality, don't we? We all know that reality is there. So step back and hear me out for a moment while we talk about having trouble. Because we know we will have trouble in this life. Because we are a, a holy people in an unholy world filled with sin and darkness. And those two things clash, don't they? You ever take and rub two sticks together like they do in the survival shows? Well, for me, nothing happens. But theoretically, you get heat and fire, right? When you rub those sticks together, you get that friction. And when you have light and darkness invading against each other, there is friction because the darkness does not want the what? The light. This world of sin and Satan is the father of lies and he's deceitful. He doesn't want peace in the world. So when Jesus gives you and I this peace and salvation, Satan's over there going, uh-uh-uh. I don't want you to experience peace. So I'm going to distract you over here. I'm going to distract you over here. I'm going to do something so your focus is on the circumstance and situation and not on the Savior. So you don't experience peace. I want you to focus on your problems and the struggles and the family issues and not focus on Jesus because there's peace there. Do you see the friction that goes on in our world as we clash like oil and water of light and darkness of holiness and unholiness as they come together there is that war that spiritual war that again it's not against the individuals our war is a spiritual war isn't it it's a spiritual one let's hear what John tell or Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 16 Jesus is speaking to them, and he tells them this, and he tells us this. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me, anybody there, you may have what? You may have peace. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, there's a whole 15, 16 sermons packed in that one verse. But Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he speaks to us in the same way. And he says, I'm telling you all this and giving you the word of God so that you may have peace. But then he says in the second sentence, or the second line after the period, he says, In this world, this temporary world where we live right now, you will have what? trouble. You're going to have trouble. Trouble with a capital T right here. You're going to have trouble. But Jesus says, take heart. In other words, don't let that get you down. You know you're going to have trouble. I'm not going to hide that from you. You're going to have hard times. But take heart. When he says take heart, what does that mean? That means be encouraged. Be of good joy. Be of great cheer. Why? Because Jesus says, I have done one amazing thing. And what is that? I have overcome what? The world. The world is where we have trouble. Isn't that what the verse says? In this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus says, don't worry about it. Don't let it get you down. Why? Because I've overcome the world. 
I beat it. I've won. So in this world of trouble, trials and tribulations and sin, Jesus is saying, yeah, that stuff is there, but don't let it bring you down because I've overcome that. And as the word of God says, if we have died and been buried in Christ, we shall also what with him? Rise with him. If he has overcome the world and he is in us and the Holy Spirit, we can overcome that trouble. We've talked many times that in the Bible, Christians are called overcomers. Isn't that what Christ is saying he is right here? He is the ultimate overcomer and he passes that ministry, that blessing on us. Where if he has overcome the world and he is in us, then we can overcome that too, can't we? That's where the Bible talks about the peace that passes, that goes beyond all comprehension and understanding, where the world is looking at us crazy, weirdo, messed up Christians, and they're going, your life is all a mess, but why are you so happy? Because I have Jesus, and Jesus has overcome the world. And if Jesus has overcome the world, and he is living in me as a holy and living sacrifice, I don't let, need to let that trouble bring me down, because I have something more. And I love what Jesus says. He says, but take heart. In other words, be of good courage, be of good cheer, because you have this. You have this. It's almost like you were sitting in, you're at the state finals, you know, back in high school when everyone was really cool and all that, and this, your whole world revolved around someone or a sport, and you're there, and say you're on the team, and it's the state finals, and your coach comes in, he's, like, okay, I know we're the underdogs. You know, it's a hundred to one shot that we can beat this team. But take courage because I've already seen the end. And we're going to win. Do you feel the encouragement? He's like, we're going to win. We're going to overcome. We're going to go out there and yes, we're going to be in the game. And some of you in this football game are going to get hit and get hit hard. Some of you are going to be knocked down. But you're going to win and you're going to finish. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's the peace that he's promising us. We get this in chapter 16 again. It says, in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but again, take heart because I have overcome the world. So yeah, we know we're going to have trouble, right? But instead of focusing on that trouble, what are we to focus on? overcoming and the joy and the peace that Christ is offering us. Wouldn't that change our mindset? Wouldn't that make it different? Instead of focusing, oh, woe is me, and I've got this problem, this problem, my kids, my family, my mom, my dad, my in-laws. <sighs> Instead, focus on Jesus and be like, Lord, you've already overcome all this. Yeah, we're gonna, I gotta deal with these people in this situation. But you said, if I stay diligent, I'm going to get through. You said to be encouraged because you've overcome this. In other words, you have given me peace to move beyond this and to not let Satan tempt me into being down about life and about things and about people. Isn't that good news? We can have this peace. Having peace in Christ means this. We trust Jesus in all that he did and said, and we live our lives as though we really believe it. Remember the old story of Blondin, the tightrope walker, 
he's there and, and as the story goes, he puts this tightrope across this great chasm and he goes out and he walks across it and everyone's like, wow! And he's like, you think I can do it again? And like, yeah! So he walks back the other way and like, wow, this is amazing! And he says, you think I can do it with a wheelbarrow? And they're like, yeah! So he gets a wheelbarrow and he goes across this tightrope through this huge chasm, no safety net with this wheelbarrow. And he gets to the other side and the crowd's going crazy. And he goes, do you think I can do it again? And they're like, yes! He goes, do you think I can do it with somebody in the wheelbarrow? And everyone's like, yes! He's like, I need a volunteer! And he goes, quiet. You see, the people were cheering and laughing and excited because someone was doing something amazing. But when it came time to have personal input and sacrifice, they're like, oh, no. As the story goes, though, someone finally did volunteer and got in the wheelbarrow with no safety net and trusted Blondin to bring them across to the other side, and they did. But that's where God has us here. We hear the cheering. Do you think you can have peace? Yeah! Can you have peace in Jesus? Yeah, I can have peace in Jesus. Do you want peace in Jesus? Oh, I want peace in Jesus. Do you think you can have it now in spite of what's going on? Yeah! Well, then grab hold of it. What? Amen. That means I have to let go of my stress to grab peace. I have to let go of my anxiety. To have peace, I have to let go of my grumbling and complaining. I like this stuff. It's my practice. Isn't that what we really do? I mean, that's... I looked at my own life for this sermon. I'm not looking at anybody in here. King called me up and said, Yeah, John, that's you. You better preach that one. So we get so used to holding on to our problems and trying to control the situation when we can't. Anybody ever be able to change your family members to fix them like you want them fixed? And when it didn't work out, what did you have? Peace? No, you had anger and frustration and a critical spirit. And that's not fun, is it? You see, Jesus is like blonde and saying, do you believe you can have this peace? And we're the crowd going, oh, yeah. And Jesus is like, then get in the wheelbarrow, personal sacrifice, trust me at my words. And that's where we're kind of like, well, can I think about this for a minute, <laughs> Lord? I mean, can I just hold on to my anxiety for just maybe another 10 minutes? You know, I've, I've gotten so used to the stress, this frustration, that's, it's, you know, I kind of like this little lack of control. And Jesus is saying, all you got to do is trust me. Trust me. Do you know that today the sun will go down beyond the horizon? And tomorrow morning, you know it will come up? The sun will come up. It'll be a brand new day. And the Bible tells us that God's blessings are new every single day. But how often do we wake up rejoicing in those blessings? Again, if you're like me, often wake up like, oh, just 10 more minutes. Oh, I'm already thinking about what I got to do today. Haven't even gotten out of bed, and I got to do this and this and this, and I got to talk to this person. I got to call this. I left that problem yesterday that I got to fix, and then there's Aunt Susan coming over this afternoon. I don't like Aunt Susan. I mean, I haven't even gotten out of bed, and all I'm doing is laying there complaining to myself, right? 
when the Bible tells me that God's blessings are new every single day, I mean, let's go a little stretch here. What should we be doing? Wake up in the morning, it's like a kid at Easter time. Where's the blessing eggs? Where's the cool stuff? Let's go find them. This is awesome. Remember? Christmas, kids at Christmas. Ken, when he had his eighth Christmas, said it was the best one yet. He wakes up and it's like, what am I going to get? Am I going to get that special thing that I circled in the JCPenney's catalog? This is the day. I mean, for most of us, kids, you know, we had your kids and stuff. Parents get no sleep at night because you're up putting the bike together and the pieces don't go together because you didn't read the instructions and the kids are up at 4 a.m. and you're going, oh, I just want to sleep, right? But they're excited. God has peace for us. Yeah, there are troubles, but the Bible tells us clearly that Jesus has overcome the world. And if the world is where the troubles are and he's overcome that, then why are we still trying to live in the world. This is not our home. We rejoice that our home is in heaven and we're just passing through this world and Jesus has overcome it. So as we go through this world, we should carry that peace of Jesus Christ because he's already overcome it and he is with us. The life I now live is not for me, but I live my life under Jesus Christ, the overcomer. We need to live as if Jesus truly is our Savior, and he really has overcome the world and given us peace. Yes, there's troubles, but we'll get through them because God is with us. God is with us. The hard part is letting go of the control and the stress and the anxiety putting that at the foot of the cross, opening our arms and saying, Lord, here I am, fill me with your peace. Number two, the peace that Jesus gives transcends understanding. It goes beyond what makes sense. Don't we like to live in a world where everything makes sense? Well, I don't know where you've been, but my world doesn't make sense most of the time. And even the best plans I make get changed by circumstances or other people. Those great things that I thought I was gonna do don't always happen, you know? For some people, it's about having stuff. And they keep buying stuff because stuff will make us, what? Happy, right? Does it really? No, because the more stuff you have, the more you gotta store it or the more you gotta take care of it and the more you gotta spend time and energy on it. You know, Christy and I have two cars. You know, great, but you know what we gotta keep doing on those cars? Spending money, fixing them, repairing them, cleaning them. It's like, man, we spend all this money in a car. Can't it just be good and last that way? No, it's not. Some people find peace in relationships. Well, somewhere along the line, after about the 112th person, we should realize maybe this isn't where <laughs> peace is. Maybe that one special person for the 113th time is really not it. Anybody in a relationship knows that when you have a relationship, before very long, when the honeymoon stage goes away, what happens? You will have trouble. In this relationship, you will have trouble, right? But again, there's Jesus saying, fear not, I have overcome your marriage. You will have peace. Where, Lord? Right? 
there can be peace if we look to Jesus. Philippians chapter 4. It's a great little book. Philippians 4 verses 4 to 7 says this. As the Apostle Paul gives us a glimpse, a little a little view, preview of this life of peace. It's almost like the peace is behind the door and he all cracks the door just so we can see that peace. And he says this, Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7. His first word is rejoice in what? Rejoice in the Lord. In other words, he's saying, forget all this other stuff. It's going to, someone's going to take it. It's going to rust. It's going to fade away. It's going to break down. Forget all this. But you rejoice and rejoice where? In the Lord. And then he says, I'll say it again. It's like, you didn't get it, people. Let me remind you with bigger, louder words. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to everybody. In other words, God's put you on a scene where people are watching you. Let them see you be gentle. And not a busybody or a grumbler. Let them see you be gentle. The Lord is near. Oh, those are encouraging words. Then hear this. Do not be anxious or in anxiety about what? Anything. Well, we do that all the time, right? There's nothing that makes us have anxiety, is there? <laughs> nothing. Paul's saying, don't have anxiety about anything. Man, that is so counterculture to our lives right now, isn't it? Even as Christians. We get stressed and frustrated and anxious about everything, right? And Paul says, hey, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the what? The peace of who? The peace of God. In other words, God owns this peace. It's his peace that he's going to share with you. It's not something you and I can contrive. God owns it, and he's going to give it to us. He says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, in other words, it doesn't make sense to the world, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, God owns the peace. And God owns the peace, and he's overcome the world. And Paul says, kids, this is what you want to do. You want to access this, this peace? You want to open the tap and let this peace flow into your life? Well, then start rejoicing. And hey, by the way, if you didn't hear me, I'll say it again. Start rejoicing. Two weeks ago, we had a message about the challenge was to be thankful five to ten times more than you're asking God for stuff. Anybody do it? I know one person texted me and said, hey, what's our homework again this week? <laughs> I texted them and they never texted back, so I don't know what happened, but but Paul's saying you gotta have an attitude of rejoicing. Why are you down when God has overcome the world and God is in you? Rejoice, people, rejoice. He says, let it be evident to everybody, right? Don't be stressed about anything. Like I said, we do that all the time, right? No. We stress like everything. There's the lesson. Don't stress. Trust God. So what do we do when we stress? He gives us the answer too. He says with prayer and with seeking God and with thanksgiving. 
Present your request to God. It's okay to come to God and say, Lord, I'm, I'm not supposed to be stressing, but I am. I'm not supposed to be frustrated, but I am. God, I don't like this. How many times in the Psalms does King David cry out and go, God, I don't like this. I don't like these people. They're all against me. It's okay to be honest with God, but come to God with thanksgiving of, Lord, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for taking this. Lord, I'm going to put it at the foot of the cross, and I'm going to walk away from it because I trust you. And I'm going to let that stress go. And Paul says, when we do that, the peace of God, which goes beyond understanding, is going to do something. What's it say it's going to do? It's going to guard your hearts and your minds. Now, get that mental picture. What does a guard do? They protect. At least a good guard does, right? They protect. They stand at the alert. They're on the ready. They're watching for something to come so they can ward it off. And Paul says, when you do this, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. And isn't that where Satan attacks? Anybody ever hear this word, heartbroken? Well, they just broke my heart. Well, the peace of God can protect you from that. Anybody say, I just, God, my mind is just going nuts. Well, the peace of God can guard you from that. Isn't that cool? It is cool. Yeah. It says they'll guard our hearts and our minds. How? In Christ Jesus. It's all about focusing on Jesus. And it seems so silly to say in church because well, we all know that, don't we? At least we got some book learning. We haven't applied it yet, but we got some book learning. Yeah, trust in Jesus, right? What's the Sunday school answer for everything? Jesus. Yes. Now we got to go live it. Now when we come to Jesus, we're like, Lord, I'm just having a bad day. I'm not looking for your blessings. I'm not even experiencing them. My pants don't fit anymore. It's just horrible. But God, you're still God. And God, I know you hear my prayers. And Lord, thank you for putting up with me, for complaining all the time. We're not liking your other creations. <laughs> God, thank you for not giving up on me and still working in me. Lord, I got all this trouble. I'm going to leave it here. Walk away empty-handed with only your grace, and I'm going to trust you to take care of it. Isn't that what the verse is saying in Philippians? Isn't that what Paul is saying? Live like you believe God is good enough to handle what faces you today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. That's what the Bible says. We'll deal with tomorrow tomorrow. But today, trust God to handle what's going on in your life, whether it turns out good or bad, because God still got your future. You see, peace is all about trusting God, not ourselves. We can't change others, so why do we waste so much energy and frustration doing it? Why are we anxious over their lack of change? I don't like it. God's like, yeah, you see what I see when I look at you, right? We've got to let that go because that's called control, isn't it? I want to control my world, my situation, even though in the back of my mind there's this little voice saying, you can't do that. But we still try. We gotta let that go and say, God, help, and trust God 
God has our future, he has our now, and he's paid for our past. It's a package deal, and it's awesome. And he's overcome the world and given us peace to guard our hearts and our minds. So we got to trust God. Trusting God sounds easy to flow off the mouth, doesn't it? But can we really trust him with the things that are going on and trust him to have his will and his way instead of our will and our way? I don't know if anybody's ever been in a relationship where you've had trust. You know what you do when you have trust? You're happy. You have no worries, no peace. You don't question anything. You don't look for things. But if somewhere that trust goes away, what happens in your mind? You're checking everything they do. You're watching them. You're looking for something because you know something's there, right? In my mind, something must be there. And we drive ourselves crazy because of lack of trust. Sometimes in our Christian life, that's how we treat God. God, I know you're God, but I don't trust you to handle my family member. I don't trust you to handle my finances. I don't trust you to deal with the circumstance, Lord. So I'm going to just help you out a little bit. That's not trust. Trust is coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, here it is. It's an ugly package. I didn't even wrap it. It's full of doubt and fear and frustration and anxiety and grumbling and complaining and hurt and fear. And I'm just going to give it to you and let it go. What? What, Lord, you have a gift for me too? Really? It's peace? What do I have to do to get it? Oh, just take it? Serious? It's really that simple, isn't it? We have to change the way we think. And we have to trust God and take him at his word. That not only is God real and brought us salvation, but he's going to handle everything that we deal with. Let's hear the words of Paul once again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Does that mean in bad days? In good days? When the phone goes off in the sermon? Rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And the Lord is near. Now, I love that because the Lord is near. You see, Jesus is our hope. And supposedly, Jesus is coming back. The Bible says, right? He's coming back. So we should look forward to that. Anybody ever be part of a homecoming celebration? Like you had some family member that's gone for a long time and some place elsewhere in the world, and they're coming home? You know, when our boys went off to college, it was a weird thing. When they told mom they were coming home... Oh my gosh, there was a tornado in our house. I mean, there was cleaning, there was food preparation, there were gifts, there were there's all kinds of stuff. And the whole focus was on, the boys are coming home. It's an exciting time, isn't it? When you have a homecoming of a dear loved one, it's exciting. And you celebrate and you share that with everybody else. Well, Jesus is near, Paul says. He's near. It's like we're here living our life, doing what we should do, that any day now, Jesus could come back. And isn't that a celebration? Shouldn't we be preparing for Jesus to come back? Do you think Jesus wants to come back when we're 
grumbling and moaning and complaining and woe is me and we're anxious and we're denying him? No. He wants to come back when the door is open and we're like, welcome back, Jesus, take me home. Right? That's when life gets good. That's when this trouble is over because he's overcoming it. We got to live like Jesus is coming back and trust God at his word because he is coming back and that should be a homecoming celebration like none other because he's coming back. Philippians 4, 8 says this. Finally, brethren, in other words, I've got to wrap this all up. Let me share this. Let me give you my closing words because these are the most important. Finally then, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, do what? Think on these things. Dwell on these things. In other words, he's given us insight on how to guard our hearts and minds. Don't think about the problems. Don't think about that stuff, but think about what? What is good? what is pure, what is lovely, what is excellent, what is honorable. That's our instruction. That's what we have to apply. Stop thinking about the negative and how you can't control it and how you have to be stressed over it. Let that go and think on those things which are good. Think on those things which are good and your life will change. You'll still have troubles, but you'll view them in a radically different way because your mind isn't focused on the troubles that you can't change. Your mind is focused on Christ and all that's good and right and pure and lovely and excellent. And that changes the outlook. Final point. Peace is Christ's gift to you. Peace, this peace that passes understanding is God's gift to you. In fact, he's already given it. We have the gift, we just need to accept it, unwrap it, and start using it. It's not out there, it's not, we'll earn it, we'll get it, it's already ours. When we had salvation in Christ, we were also given the gift of peace. Now when I grew up for some weird reason, Christy can tell you this, I have had a very difficult time in my life accepting gifts. Big gifts, little gifts, it doesn't matter. It's a very hard thing for me that God's worked on me for like 50 years because I always thought well I didn't deserve it or I don't have a use for it or I've got to do something to pay them back for the gift they gave me anybody else in here ever do anything like that and it's not true is it a gift is a gift I really relate with this because like I said I've had such a hard time accepting gifts in my life because I shouldn't have it because I don't deserve it. Somebody else should have it, or I've got to do something to pay him back. And it's like, no, just take the gift and enjoy it. And that's a lesson God's worked on me for 50 years. I'm a slow learner. But that gift of peace is like that. God says, I give you peace, peace that is not of the world, but is beyond understanding. And sometimes we're like, oh, sorry, Lord, I can't accept that. My life is too screwed up right now. I can't take your peace. Come on, God, you're going to run out. Give it to somebody else. They deserve it more. Oh, woe is me. Right? We're playing the martyr. God, I don't deserve it. Just, I'd love to have your peace, Lord, but not right now. God's going, what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's a gift. 
Just take it. You'll be so much happier. Oh, Lord, yeah, I know I'll be happy, but someday. God's going, why not right now? It's here right now. It's a peace I give you right now. Last verse of the day, John 14, 27. This is a good one to mark in your Bible when you're feeling that martyr syndrome or you're feeling down or you start getting your eyes off of Jesus. John 14, 27. Jesus tells his disciples and us these words. I quote, peace. What have we been talking about? Peace. peace. The peace of God. He owns it. He gives it to us for free. Peace I leave with you. You know what that's being like? That's like this. You know, this is my gift of peace. Here, I'm going to just set this with you right there. You keep it, buddy. You hold on to that. 